Welcome, welcome. You've just arrived on time to our book club tea party. I'm your host, Danny de los Monstros. You, my lovely people, have just turned into another episode of Days and Disturbed, a show where we talk about the horrors of the universe and we love to talk about the things that make our heads go fuzzy. Please do come in and take a seat. Shut the door behind you and put up your coat and wipe your feet, you mongrel sluts. So, let me introduce you to my friend, Nicole. Say hi, you women. Woman, woman, woman. <laughs> woman. You whammon. You whammon. My whammon noodles. <laughs> hi. Hey, what's up, man? How you been? I've been good, you know? I've been, <laughs> been doing nothing. What are you... Uh, as, that's life recently. I mean, no one can blame you. You're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Nicole... You and I actually share a common interest, which is reading a lot, correct? Uh, yeah, I think I think that's fair to say. Do you not know if you read or not, or do you do you think that you I don't read? know how much you read? Maybe you don't read a lot. Maybe you just read. Uh, I read the back of the milk carton, and subtitles. I think I read a lot. You yeah, read, that's it. You read your subtitles on your animes and your mangas. <laughs> yeah, I just read. The, I just read. The, I read the closed captioning, and I just think, you know what? I did a good job in reading today. <laughs> and we're done. And we're done. Funny. Uh, um. So actually, I have a question for you. Uh huh. What actually got you into reading? Um, books. <laughs> I would assume so. But what was the inspiration of what made you read a lot more? Um. Well, that's all I had to do when I was a kid because I would get in trouble pretty frequently, and I'd have to go sit in my room, and I wouldn't be able to leave my room. Um. But I could read. Um. And so I read a lot as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot, a lot. I read like Goosebumps and, you know, Shivers and all those like kind of scary kids books, um, which are like still some of my favorites now. But um, yeah, I read a lot as a kid. And then I read obviously like throughout school and in college. And then I haven't been reading a lot the last couple of years, but then I got a Kindle this year and I've been reading a lot more. I think I've read more books in the last, you know, eight months than I have in the last two years. So pretty good. How many books have you read so far in the last um, eight I months? think I've read about 12 or 13. 13 in the last eight months? Yeah. Ah, you pussy. I've been reading 24. I'm just kidding. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, honestly, uh, what's helping me read a lot is um, like audiobooks. It's not reading, but I'm still like listening to the book and I can actually process it and understand it. And yeah. I can recite, recite the story to you if you want me to. Yeah. So, I, I mean, a Kindle wouldn't be bad because it's something on the go, right? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty small. Um, I, mean, I don't know how roughly what the dimensions are, but it's pretty easy. If it's in my purse, um, I can bring it like with me to work and stuff. Is, it, is the battery? I, I, we had this discussion before, mm-hmm. but now I'm, I'm kind of curious. Like, maybe I should invest in something because I, I have a giant collection of books that fill up two tubs. Yeah. But I, don't, I can't fit any more books in those tubs, but I still want to read so many, so much more. I'm now thinking of investing in one. So how much, how much usually is it, is it Kindle? It's like, I bought mine for less than 40 bucks. I bought mine used, but wow. it was less than 40 bucks. Yeah. Is it like some eBay. sort of newer model? 
Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know like the difference between the old and new models, but I think mine's like one of the new, one of the older ones. Mm -hmm. Um, but it works fine. Like you don't really need much, you know, you just need to be able to download books on it and stuff. So, so you do need internet. Pretty easy. Oh yeah. Well, you can just connect to your Wi-Fi. Oh, that's true. That's true. Everybody has Wi-Fi these days. (laughs) Cause they're also rich. You have to. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, you do. In this day and age, yeah, you do. Now I have another question for you. Mm-hmm. What genre of books are your favorite? Um, scary books. Scary books. That's all you read. That's Nothing... all I read. <laughs> no literature of like uh, fiction, sci-fi, romance. No, sci-fi is fine. Don't like romance. Don't like fantasy. I read like some nonfiction books. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like some recent books that I've read but they're pretty much all horror. Pretty so, much old times. Also, all I watch. What kind, of, what, what kind of books are you reading now that you can be like, oh yeah, I, 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 I can, I've read this and this and this and so far. Um, this year, the- I've literally only read horror books and like feminist literature. That's all I've read. I've read, yeah. Power of the People, Down With The System, right? Uh, pretty much. <laughs> bring your bras, bring your bras and panties and tampons, right? <laughs> Not so much. I read a really good book that obviously isn't relevant to this episode, but um, it's called Women Don't Owe You Pretty by Florence Given, and it's really good if there's any um, girls or, or femmes that listen to your podcast. It's if there's any femboys out there in the, in the audience, um, <laughs> oh you, can listen to, you can read this book and feel at home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so on today's episode, actually, we were... Her and I were going to discuss some books that we would thought would be interesting for you to pick up if you haven't already heard of it. Yeah. And so her, <laughs> her and I have made a list. I well, I only made a list of two. How about you? Um. Yeah. I mean, a short list, a list of two. If two oh, is a list. Yeah. So technically, we're only re- only reviewing f- uh, four books, then, huh? Uh. Yeah. Two plus two is four. I do not like you anymore. I am regretting <laughs> bringing you on this thing. I do not like you, Sam. I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, let's just let's just dive in then, huh? So please, everyone in the audience, grab yourself a spot of tea. Grab yourself a nice cocktail. Pack your some pack some smokes if you have them, and let let us introduce you to some interesting stories. Grab your balls in your hands. <laughs> <laughs> what did you chant? Put the lotion in the pot. All right, that's it. <laughs> so, do you mind if I go first? Go for it. So, unfortunately, for this book, I actually couldn't get my hands on it. I ordered it, it has not arrived yet. I am going to file a complaint with their manager. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, Karen. <laughs> I'm, glad you got, I'm glad you got it. Um, this next book, I absolutely love it so much. I, can, I do have a fond memory of it. I read it twice in high school just because it was that interesting to me, at least. And that book is The Invention of Morel. Mm-hmm. It is by... Hold on a second. Uh, Adolfo Bio Casares. Adolfo Bio Casares. Yeah, okay, cool. I did say it right. So 
I had no clue what the name of this story was for years. And I had to Google search it many times. And I just tried to put in anything I could remember from it. And eventually one day I just happened to put the right words together in the right, I don't know, the right words together in Google. And it finally gave me the name of the book. So I've been trying to get it. I saw in a, I've passed by this book so many times and I'm like, huh. I think it's called The Island of Dr. Moreau, but that's something completely different. That's, yes, definitely yeah, different. That's by like H.G. Wells. I think it's by H.G. Wells. Yeah. Did I read that book? I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, so let me give you the quick, like a synopsis of it. Maybe it might interest you. It's, a, it's about a Venezuelan prisoner who just escaped jail off of an island somewhere in the ocean. And he lands on a, uh, he finally makes it to the sunny, sunny beach. And it's it's some it's supposed to be a deserted. He looks around the island. He doesn't see anybody. I, depending on the the time of day, he was yeah. I think it was morning, if I remember correctly. Uh, for the first two days, I think it was all about him just looking for food and just explaining how lonely he is. Until the s- evening of the second day, he actually comes across a, a group of people. And obviously, he's he's an, he's a wanted convict. So he's like, oh shit, screw that. So he goes and hides, and he doesn't make a peep. And he just keeps observing them from far away for a, a whole week until he starts, until the loneliness starts eating at him. And he's like, you know what? At this point, I really don't even care if I'm an escaped convict. I want to talk to somebody. So he makes his way little by little towards them. And they just don't seem to notice him, even if he's in front of them. Right. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I think at one point he even started waving his hands in front of uh, one of the strangers and they just, rush past him they like they, they didn't even care that he was he existed so i was like what the hell and on that same day he actually met the woman of his dreams he's like wow she's incredible i don't know adolfo went into a jo- great detail about her it, he painted a really good picture i re- if i remember correctly she had short black hair or brown hair she had really red rosy lips and really pink cheeks mm-hmm she had that very 1920s, 1930s look. The, the I don't know, is flapper the the right word for it? Um, I mean, yeah. If if they lived in like a, I guess a more like an industrial area, I think. Well, it, this story is set in 1920, 1930s. Hmm. So it's during that roar, the Roaring Twenties Revolution. Was it really, really a revolution? No, it was like the Roaring Twenties. So everyone's all like dressed like all... Are you all... thinking of like the Industrial Revolution? No, that was... No, no, not the Industrial Revolution. Like the, the Roaring 1920s. Okay. You know, when like all... The Great Gatsby. When was the Great Gatsby? The Great Gatsby was in the 20s. But exactly. yeah, the Industrial Revolution was way, way, way before that. That's why I was like confused. No, no, no. Yeah, so they were... They're, all these people look aristocratic. So they look really rich. And he meets this girl and he's like, oh my God... I want her to note. I want her to notice me because I'm just so lonely, and I want to talk to her specifically. Mm-hmm. So he's making his way over to her, and he's like, "Hey, how you doing?" And she's just not paying attention to him. She's just always looking out on the beach, or always like reading her book and not even caring that he's there. He's like, "Oh, okay. Well, I'll go fuck myself then." So he goes back into the into the beach or into his side of the island. He's like, uh, "You know what? Fuck these people. They don't want to. They don't want to notice me. I, I don't want to talk to them either." But then that that lonely, the loneliness again gets to him. So he's like, no, I I want to make an effort to meet these people. And little by little, I, I this is basically the first five chapters that I explained. 
the rest of the story goes into detail of this weird twist that does happen in the story where it starts as a romance novel and then ends up into a sci-fi novel. Wait, it takes like it takes a complete 180 where I was even like, wow, this is I didn't even say see this coming. Interesting. So it I won't go explain it, but you will meet Dr. Morell and you will know what his invention is. And basically hmm. that is the twist of the story. Okay. So I have actually written some notes that I I could think off the top of my head and Allow me to express my opinions and thoughts, will you? Okay, go for it. So I've actually learned that this book actually originated in this in Spanish. Okay. So originally this was a Spanish book, and the title was La, La Invención de Morel. And I again, I love that this book is written in as a romance novel, and then the style that it's 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 a it's written as a journal entry. So as if somebody found it, like found journal, but instead of found footage. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And at first, it's kind of like this guy's a kind of the the main character is kind of a weirdo, and he's kind of like a I don't know, kind of a stalker. But then oh. it, what's up? I said, oh, he it is written because he's kind of like a stalker because he's like following these people. He just wants to. He's doing the Tarzan thing where like the I want to know, can you show me? You know. <laughs> so he's actually trying to. He's stalking these people until he's comfortable enough to like go into their mansions and stuff like that which again that's kind of like breaking and entering and it, yeah. it, it it does paint him in a weird light but you just you start feeling sympathy for this guy and you understand that, like i'm doing this because i'm lonely i just want to talk to somebody and um, I mean, yeah it's kind of sad kind of because isolated on the island right so exactly and then from the romance part it does turn into a sci-fi a sci-fi novel and i that part just took me took me off uh took me aback and i'm like wait wait wait, wait what, what the, i was like i would re- reread the chapter i'm like what am i reading like i thought this was uh, a romance novel and then i read it again like yeah but there have been hints and there have been hints throughout this story leading up to this this twist and i i love the fact that the protagonist is writing the the girl's name in the sand and, like throwing rocks at her kind of like that part in lion king one and a half when timon and pumba were trying to sabotage nala and simba's woohoo time <laughs> Woo-hoo. Yeah, but I I don't remember if he actually threw a rock at her, or he wrote her name in the sand. I remember one of those is true. I again I don't have the book in my hand. I can't I can't tell you yes this happened or yes this didn't. And I'm not trying to I'm not trying to dis- dissuade you from reading that he's abusive to women. You know. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> I trust you. And I'm I want to uh, I want to tell you the twist. But I want to save it for people who actually want to read it for themselves. But I was just, oh, it was so cool. I'll, I'll look up the twist kind of on my own time that way. I'll just tell you after it. this. Oh, okay, that works. So, I mean, um, another thing that I did like about the story is that I, this, you know, how there's, there's books that drag, right? Like, you know, like The Shining, there are parts that kind of drag on a little bit. Mm-hmm. This book to me never dragged. It was it's just, good. it was just like beat after beat after beat after beat that this, that the, uh, that the author was just trying to portray this guy, like portray the guy who he is, then portray the people around him and who they are and their characteristics. And then he, tr- he also paints the picture of the Island and the people's thoughts based on what the character thinks their thoughts, their, their thoughts are. So 
like an example from like for the people who and and the and the people who are listening for what i mean for when a book drags is like john steinbeck's of mice and men to me it was on point it is never dragged at all there was always something to do and always something to say in the, that book yeah it's also great. really short it's a short book oh this 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 book is too there, oh, these are, this is a novel so I've read some novels where they dragged on, even some Goosebumps novels where I'm like, okay, like, come on, let's pick up the pace, R.L. Stein. <laughs> but like, The Grapes of Wrath was so fucking boring to read. Yeah, it sucked. All of it was about symbolism, and it just took you away from the story. Like I said, there's there there are books that drag and there's books that don't, but this one for me doesn't drag, and. The one thing I, the one thing that I thought about, for, this is the this is the buyer's guide part of the episode. Mm-hmm. This book for me was strangely really hard to find, and I looked in four bookstores, including uh, the giant retailers. Spooky. And for some reason, every single bookstore I went to said this book was in Texas. And <laughs> the funny story. Every time I'm either looking for a book or a movie or a video game, it just always so happens to be in Texas. It's Everything's just, bigger in Texas. I guess, but it's just so it's a weird coincidence for me that I'm always I'm always looking for shit that's always in Texas. So if there's any Texas listeners out there who are willing to send me shit if I pay them, please, please like I, I'm looking for a lot of shit. Please, I I'll give you my money. <laughs> and I'm talking to you, guy with dreadlocks, who are who's white and has a Nordic tattoo. What was that fucking thing we said the other day? The other day, that was like eight months ago, dog. <laughs> was it? It was more than that. It's August. We recorded that episode way before January of this year. I thought that was last. Oh, okay, it was last year then. Yeah, it was last year. But whatever. Anyways, back to back to it. Um, I actually found that this this book actually has a, an Italian 1974. Uh, adaptation a film adaptation called the same name the la invención de morel oh and you can actually find it on youtube so if you want to watch it it's it's there for you i haven't seen it myself so i can't judge it for its for what it is but yeah um and like i said this is this book is a bit of a longer novel not longer than your typical i don't know it's not longer than great gatsby it's probably slightly shorter than that and if you're looking for it, you can usually find it for about eight to fifteen dollars. The most I've ever found it for was for eighteen dollars, but that's just because the 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 book cover looked really nice. So I I don't think I've ever found a hardcover if you're looking for one. So you're most likely gonna get a paperback for sure. And that's pretty much all I gotta say about the mention of morale. Nice. It sounds interesting. I was kind of reading a little bit of the synopsis while you were talking about it. Mm-hmm. Sounds like something I would like to read. Do you know when it was written? Uh, 18, no, no, not 18. Um, it was written in 19, I have it in my notes. It was written in 1927, mm, 1926. Okay. okay. It's, it's, it's an, it's an old story. Got it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, hopefully you guys, hopefully I didn't muck it up for you guys and you actually guys want to read it. Oh, you mucked it. I mucked, I fucked it. I fucked it. You mucked it. You gilly banged it. 
Okay, so the, the first book that I chose, I'm kind of just doing like the ones that I read most recently because I felt like those would be the best for me to talk about. Okay. Um, so my first one is The Haunting of Hill House, which is a very famous book. It's not, you know, underground or anything. Um, and it was turned into like a pretty successful like Netflix TV show. Um, and I haven't seen the Netflix show actually. Um, but I heard it from- was scary. Yeah, I heard it was good, but also what I heard about it is it's literally nothing like the book. Like, it's based on some of the characters in the book, but it takes place in a totally different time period, like, supposedly after these characters have been there. Like, I don't know. It's nothing like the book, basically. Um, So so, it's time travel? Yeah. No, it's not time travel. It's just, like, the TV show takes place later in life than the book does. So when does the book take place? Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, it's supposed to take place sometime in the 20th century because it's written in 1959. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be like around the same time that the book is written, like in the 50s and 60s, I guess. So, oh. um, yeah, it's kind of an, an, an older one, I guess. I don't know if you'd consider 1959 old, but um, it's not modern. Um, and definitely a good book. It's pretty short. Um, I don't know exactly how many pages because I read it on my Kindle, but you could probably finish it in a day or two if you're a fast reader. I'm not. Um, and if you have a good attention span, which I don't. I don't but, either. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so um, it's considered to be one of like the best ghost stories of all time, which is kind of, right, for me, that's controversial. No, I'm serious. I think it's controversial just because there's not like really any ghosts in it like there's no like character ghosts or anything like the ha- the haunting itself is like the house like I don't know how to explain it but like the house is the entity like there aren't like spirits that like go around that you can see and interact with like the house is the one that doesn't want them there and like tries to you know like, so like monster house I mean kind of yeah the house isn't like alive I don't, I don't know how to explain it you'd have to read it for it to make sense because it's obviously like through like layers of stuff but um yeah so there's basically a group of people um including uh you know like a I don't know what the term for it would be like a supernatural investigator. He's like a doctor who um, <clears throat> just investigates the supernatural and um, a couple other people um, that he's like written letters to like show up at this house because he's trying to find evidence, like scientific evidence that, you know, the supernatural exists and there've been lots of stories and events that have happened at this house. Um, and so he writes a whole bunch of people, but only two people accept. And then the third person is the heir to the house. Mm-hmm. Um, who's basically like hosting all these people. Um, yeah. So anyway, they all show up and we know there's the story primarily follows one of the characters. Her name is Eleanor. Um, and she's a pretty shy, yeah, pretty shy woman who has some background stuff about her mom. That's kind of like her part of her driving character traits is like, she basically had to take care of like her disabled mom and she didn't really get to have a life of her own. And so she's kind of like socially awkward. Like she doesn't really understand like how to interact with these people who are super like flamboyant and goofy and a little bit more confident than she is. Um, and she, yeah, basically she's like a kind of our primary focus in terms of characters and they go to this place and it just kind of, um, 
it's a, I guess a better word to describe it is it's more like a poltergeist situation. Like there's not like individual ghosts that like walk up and down the hallways. Like there's sort of like an energy there that's not really explained, okay. but it's not like, it doesn't take the form of any one thing. Um, but yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, it's, it's not like horrific, but it's got like a really great sense of like dread throughout the whole novel. And like, the very ending of it, which I won't spoil, um, the very end of it is pretty, like, alarming and kind of, like, sudden. I think it's kind of fun. Um, but I really liked it. It's one of the, probably the best books I've read in the last year. Um, and it's, it's got a really, like, um, I mean, it's written in 1959, so some, I guess some of the language is kind of, like, um, outdated now, but it's got a very, um, interesting, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not like theme, but like sort of like a tone to it. Like it's mm-hmm. it's very spooky and and like old school haunted house, which I really like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought it, I thought it was good. I would recommend it if you haven't read the book, and if you've watched the TV show and haven't read the book, read the book, but don't expect it to be anything like the show. Um, I don't even think the characters have the same names, but um, but it's pretty much the same same sort of same premise. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think, I mean, there's a, there's a house that's haunted, obviously, but I think in the TV shows, like, ghosts in the house. I mean, there are a couple of movies, like, I think people get this one mixed up a lot of times with House on Haunted, haunted Hill. Hill. I, yeah. was gonna, I was going to say that, like, it's, the premise does sound like House on, the Vincent Price House on Haunted yeah. Hill movie. It's not, though. The, it has its own movie um, two movies actually, one that came out in 1963 and then another that came in and came out in 1999, and they're both called The Haunting. Um, but it's not has anything to do with those stories or those those movies. No, no, those movies are based on it. It just has nothing to do with House on Haunted Hill. Okay, because there is a movie called The Haunting, which is based on House on Haunted Hill. No, The Haunting is based on The Haunting of Hill House. Oh. Yeah, the house on Haunted Hill is its own separate thing. Yeah, cuz like it's it's one investigator inviting a bunch of people over, a bunch of people come over and like it's supposed to be um I don't know if this it's a, it's a, it, Vincent Price is like a millionaire who invites people over for a haunted house party, but they have to stay the night and like earn money. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not like that. It's it's a guy who he invites them over. He invites over people that specifically have like histories with the supernatural, mm. um, because he legitimately wants to find proof, like scientific proof that the supernatural exists. So, and he's a good guy. Like he's not like scummy like Vincent Price's character is. Um, he's like genuinely interested in learning about what's going on in the house like you know it's legitimate um house on haunted hill was its own thing it was written to be a script like it's not based on a movie or anything or excuse me it's not based on a book or anything as far as i know it's it is truly like its own i'm sure it's it's, you know it's true i'm sure it gets like inspiration from it but it is its own property so if somebody's going to go look for this book how much do you think it's going to run them uh not much. I mean, you can probably find it at like a used bookstore for like $5 because it's an old $5. book, you know? Um, or you can, you could probably buy it online if you wanted to buy it from Amazon or whatever from, for probably like nine or 10 bucks. I think I rented mine from the library because you, if you have a Kindle, you can download library books onto your Kindle for free. Um, and so that's how I read it. Mm, cool. Yeah.
so for my next book, I actually consider this a hidden gem because when I ask people to give me another piece of classic horror literature about vampires, everyone jumps to actually Nicole. Yeah. Name me one classic horror literature, uh, classic horror tale about vampires. Go. Uh, Anne Rice interview with a vampire. Classic. Yeah. How old is Anne Rice? Are that Anne, Anne Rice from like the 1950s, 60s? 1990, 1992. No, Anne Rice uh, wrote books. Uh, 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 in the 70s and 80s. For okay, the most so part. yeah, okay. Name me a classic horror literature story about vampires from the 1800s. Oh, from the 1800s. You mean like a book? Yeah, a story. Name me one story. Dracula. There we go. Yes. Right, okay. I was confused. I didn't. I didn't hear the part that you said classic. I just was like, oh, vampire book. It's okay. You're you're, you're kind of you're kind of little dumb. It's okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> that's what I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no. That's that's exactly it. Everyone jumps to Dracula. It's it's an easy answer because that's the most famous one, right? Yeah, because it's so cool. But. Oh, and the audio file gets corrupted right there. Hi, Editor Danny here. I'm re-recording this part in post since the file conversion gets messed up from program to mp3. But what I was trying to say is, yes, Dracula was an easy answer, but Dracula usually overshadows all the other classic vampire stories of its time, since it was the most popular. This one doesn't get as much love, and it really isn't recognized by many, well, at least within my friend group. But I'm going to choose the story Carmilla. So the story Carmilla begins with someone recovering a dead girl's journal. And in this journal, the girl recalls when she was little, she was visited in her room by a beautiful woman one night. How this woman got in is anybody's guess since all the windows and doors were locked. But this woman calls out to her to come and rest, which the girl does comply. The woman begins to put her to sleep, but before she began to drift off, she then feels two needles biting down on her bosom. The little girl screams waking up the entire mansion. There is no sign of an intruder, but the governess, Madame Pardon, and Mademoiselle de la Fontaine find that someone was at one point lying underneath her bed. Then the widowed father is informed and waves it off as just some sort of dream. It's only until the little girl named Laura grows up to the age of 14 and by absolute chance that her father nannies and her were taking a stroll past her mansion that they stumbled upon a carriage toppled over right in front of them and a woman getting out of the carriage only to cry out for someone to help her daughter who is still trapped in there she's pulled out and everyone is completely blown away of how pretty she is her mother is sad about leaving her daughter but she made sure that she emphasized that she was in such a huge hurry that she needed to leave now but couldn't stop and take her daughter to a doctor from the village next door? Laura, the absolute fucking nut, is like, Papa, Papa, let her ha- let her stay in our care. And her father was pretty much like, There's young one, I do say that is just a fine idea. The mother of the child even agrees. Which, I'm not sure how they did it back in the 1800s Austria, but yeah, the mother completely relinquished her child to the care of these strangers. She then hustles over and whispers to her father in his ear, so Laura couldn't hear, as to how to handle her daughter. Think like the rules set with a mogwai from Gremlins. 
the mother's pretty much like, yeah, so this girl is not to talk about her family ever. Absolutely nothing about us. And she is going to act a little strange, but just, just ignore her. She will sleepwalk all the time. Just just don't, don't think about it too much. Oh, yeah. Also, uh, protect your neck, cuz. I won't go any deeper into much of the story, but basically that's where we meet Carmilla. Then the rest of the story, she's pretty much in love with young Lara. She's like, I'll live for you, but you will die for me. You will die for me. You will die for me. And Laura's almost hypnotized by her words because she's just so much pretty and then that she's pretty much on board. So she's kind of like, yeah, mommy, of course, choke me, please. That, that feels great. So all that I have left is the notes that I've written while I was reading the story. And what I've written down is that this is a short novel by Joseph Thomas Sheridan Le Fanu, which can be read within the day, depending on how fast you read. It's about the length of a Goosebumps novel, which is about mm, 16-ish chapters long. This story actually does predate Bram Stoker's Dracula story by a whole 26 years. And they, this story actually helped set in place some of the rules that vampires follow today. As in, they sleep in coffins, they need to be stabbed in the heart with a wooden stake... They need to have their heads lopped off and plus be burned. And any religious iconography or anything that has to do with the Judeo-Christian God, they really, really hate it. So it's really cool to see that maybe both Lefanu and Stoker actually did borrow heavily from the, the Serbian folklore of the vampires. Or that Stoker actually might have borrowed some ideas from Lefanu, be, being that their vampires have to be very elegant and very beautiful. And they also like hypnotize people so they can get closer to them. This story is also known as the erotic horror classic of female vampirism. I mean, I guess it's erotic because Carmilla is always kissing on Lara. But Lara, I mean, it's for her, it's just a friend's kiss, which I don't know if anybody really kisses their friend, like pecks their friends and be like, oh, yeah, we're just friends. We just kiss them all the time. I mean, I, I guess I do see that sometimes. Not with me, just because I don't even know where I've been. But they act as if they're just playing with each other. Like, oh... Laura's playing with her hair and she's just holding it and she keeps mentioning how beautifully thick it is and how brown, dark brown or black it is. And <laughs> dare I even say, they hold each other's hands. <laughs> and when Lafanu speaks of his characters, there is great detail in describing what these people's features are. I can actually picture what her faces, what all their faces look like. And I can see how they hold themselves when they speak. I do really appreciate when an author goes out of their way to paint their exact vision in someone's head. Something that actually brought me to find this book was actually people were claiming that it was way better than Dracula. I mean, yeah, to each their own. I did like the story a little better. That's my opinion. The story, the reason I like it is that the story never overstates its welcome and it doesn't drag too much in places where when I was reading Dracula, it definitely did drag in a few chapters for a little too long. So if you did want to cross off reading a classic gothic vampire book off of your list, I do recommend this story a little more than Dracula, but also give respect to Dracula itself and give it a read if you want. Um, I also was told that this story was much gorier than Dracula itself, but that's pretty much false advertisement. The only two parts that I did read that I was thinking, okay, there's the blood, was somewhere in the middle chapters and in the very end, and that's pretty much all you're ever going to see about 
blood or gore, anything that has to relate to a vampire story. At the end of the book, I did love that it does leave you with a cliffhanger. I was thinking, oh shit, really? At least from how I understood it, there was a line at the last chapter, and then there's a line of the last prologue that you can make a connection with that kind of sounds like... I will leave it up for you to read just so you can see if you can catch it as well. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm not. Maybe you'll see the same thing I'm seeing that I think either there are more vampires that show up in the story versus Carmilla just being the only one that you meet or Carmilla is never mind read it see if you like it maybe there's maybe there's something connection there's some connection that you can find there and the last little bits that I have of is as the recording of this I did find that there was a movie adaptation called the Karnstein trilogy beginning with the vampire lovers then the lust of a vampire and then finally the twins of evil and these films were made in 1970 to 1971 so I gotta check out those bad girls and this book isn't too hard to find I actually bought my copy for four dollars in pristine condition but if you want I do recommend buying Carmilla in a compilation of vampire stories which you can usually find everywhere some compilations actually do have the story Dracula and the story of the vampire the vampire the vampire Fuck it. It's, it, has a, it has a Y in it. I, I think it's I think it's pronounced the vampire. Which, funnily enough, for that story, it actually predates both of them since they it was written in 1819 and submitted into a complete contest to publish. Fun fact, in the same contest for the vampire, when it was published, there was another contestant who actually won first prize. And that contestant was Mary Shelley with her story Frankenstein. Okay, so my last shape, well, my last shape, my last book that I'd like to talk about is a book that I didn't really like enjoy that much. Honestly, I was recommended it in like this horror group that I'm in on Facebook. Um, everybody was like, oh, it's good. It's a good book. You should read it. And I read it and I was like, okay, this wasn't that good. Um, but it is uh, the book Heart Shaped Box by Joe Hill. Um, and mm. Joe Hill is actually Stephen King's son. Um, and he writes horror too. He wrote the book Horns, which is probably like his most famous book. Um, but this was his first book, um, published in 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about, so it's called Heart Shape Box. It's about a rock star named Judas, who's, uh, sort of like semi-retired. He's kind of a jackass. Um, and he collects like spooky things so he has like a a couple different like uh not really like horror memorabilia but like he like has like a snuff film and like a so-called like witch's confession you know from like salem and stuff like that so like he likes kind of like a sort of like authentic like spooky shit i guess wait a second so he he owns an actual snuff film yeah he does and Um, he owns a witch's confession yeah so he likes like 
like connect collecting like haunted stuff and stuff like that. Oh, so they're haunted. Well, yeah, some of them are. I mean, he he has a lot of stuff because he has money that he doesn't know what to do with. But um, yeah, so he um, anyways, he gets an email or his I guess his uh, assistant gets an email um, about this like posting that's for sale um it's a a dead man's funeral suit um the person reaches out to him and said the person who reaches out to him is the dead man's daughter and said that his spirit's attached to the suit um and so that if he buys the suit he's basically buying himself a ghost um and so he goes okay you know fuck it i'll take it he doesn't really think about the fact that like he randomly got this message like a private message it wasn't posted on ebay or anything it was posted on like a personal website um and the twist is that he actually never had an assistant no, he does. He does have an assistant. Um, I don't really like want to spoil too much of what happens in it, but um, the suit arrives in a heart-shaped box. Obviously, that's the name of the novel. Okay. And some weird things start happening, and people around him kind of start to die. Whoa. And um, so he reaches out to the woman and is like, "Fuck this! Like, take this." you know, the suit back. I don't want this. And she's like, no, fuck you. You're responsible for my sister's suicide. Um, and he, and he's like, what the fuck? And, um, so he's, he's like a jackass, uh, rock star. Right. And so he's gone through like a bunch of groupies and a bunch of girlfriends. And, um, so his, one of his ex-girlfriends who, he calls Florida cause he names all his girlfriends after the state that he meets them in. Um, Say Florida she, again. What? Can you say Florida again? Florida. No, no. How did you really say it? That's how I said it. Florida. No, you said Florida. No, you say Florida. Shut up. Okay. Um, and so he he realizes that this is uh, Florida's girlfriend. Or excuse me, his sister. Sorry. Yeah, sister. And um, she's like, like you're gonna suffer because you're responsible for my sister killing herself because she thinks that basically like long long story short she's blaming him because he like kicked her out and she was like seriously mentally ill um and she came home and killed herself and jesus she told her it was because this guy you know like tossed him tossed her aside and she couldn't get over it and so she's like fuck you you know this is your fault you're gonna have to suffer um there are plenty of other fish in the sea come on yeah so but but so I don't know. I don't want to, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it and hopefully I don't spoil too much, but, um, so he has another girlfriend at the time. Like this is all happening. Her name is Georgia. And, um, she, he kind of treats her pretty poorly too. She's like a pretty young goth girl. She like, he's in like his sixties and she's like 20 something, you know, like oh. he's just like kind of a dirtbag. And, um, so he's kind of he, like, uh, what's his name? Mick, Mick. What the fuck is the guy from Rolling Stones? Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger. He's always kind of like Mick Jagger. I mean, he's just he's just kind of a dumbass. But um, he he also has two dogs, Angus and Bon, um, who actually can like kind of protect him from the ghost. So it's weird. The ghost is like attached to the suit, right? And they get rid of the suit, but the ghost like doesn't go away. And he's super violent. Like he he can sort of hypnotize them because the ghost, the guy who whose ghost it is, was like. Um, I don't really know how to explain it, but I guess he did. He, like, 
was sort of like a hypnotist, but he was also like a soldier in the war. So he's like super aggressive, but also he can like actually hypnotize people. Um, and so he can hypnotize them into like hurting each other or hurting themselves. Wait, wait, wait. When you say them, do you mean the dogs? No, I'm sorry. I mean, um, Jude and his girlfriend, Georgia. But oh. the dogs are his, like, familiars, sort of, because they have, like, these... Uh, they have the ability to sense the ghost, um, and they have, like, these, like, spirits inside of them. It's kind of hard to explain, but they have, like, these spirits inside of them that when the ghost is around, the spirit parts of the dogs can, like, follow him into the spirit world and, like, chase him and stuff um, and, like, attack him. Um And, but, so they're trying to flee south because they're trying to go to the house of, um, the lady, uh, Florida's daughter, Florida's sister, right? Cause she, it's her, it's her fault that she sent the fucking ghost to him in the first place. So they're going to go, they think that they're going to go there and threaten her and she's going to stop him from chasing them. And he legitimately like chases, like the whole story is like them, like traveling throughout the country to get to this woman's sister. And he's like following them the whole time. So they can't like stop for very long. And so they both get like super badly injured and, um, like they're super sleep deprived. And so they don't really know like what's real and what's not. Um, and so they go to the sister's house. Um, and by this time they've actually sort of like realized some things. And um, it actually turns out that Georgia, or no, sorry, I'm getting my names mixed up. Georgia is his current girlfriend. Florida is the girl that died, yeah, the girl yeah. that committed suicide. Um, it turns out that she actually didn't commit suicide um, and that oh. the grandfather and the sister um, like staged her murder basically um, because he had been molesting her um, since she was a child and he had oh. hypnotized her to not remember it. <laughs> um, but being with Jude she had started to like some of the hypnosis has started to sort of like come undone. And so she was remembering things. And so when she got home, she was seriously mentally ill, but it was because she was remembering that she had been molested her whole life, not because her like boyfriend was being a jackass. Um, And she was threatening to like tell the police and stuff. And so um, the sister, uh, Florida's sister has a daughter who the grandfather was also molesting. Um, and she was, like, letting him, like, it's super weird. Like, she was, like, letting her dad, like, molest her own daughter. Um, and so she was, like, threatening to go to the police and stuff. And so they kill her. And then they set up this whole thing about how it's Jude's fault. And they're going to, they're going to, they basically blame him for, quote, unquote, like, breaking her, like, breaking the hypnotism. And so they're yeah. like, fuck him. We're going to send this hex suit to him and, and kill him. Wait, so um, is the grandfather is the grandfather alive or is he the ghost that's following? He's him? so he's dead. So it's kind of yeah. It, he dies and when he dies, they send the suit to him. But he was alive when um, Florida killed herself. But when Florida's sister, the 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 hexer, yeah, has her daughter. Is the grandpa a ghost molesting her? No, he's he is. She's like a thirteen or fourteen year old girl. Um, he's molesting her as he's alive and then Uh, dies. And then they're like, we're going to keep our mouth shut about this. And also we're going to send his ghost over there. Cause he dies after Florida does like before Florida is dead. Florida dies. And then the grandpa dies like not too long after that. I see. Um, Yeah. Sorry. I'm kind of jumping all over the place. No, it's fine. I'm asking um, questions. He, yeah. So it's like, 
you know, the whole time in the book, right, you're kind of like, well, this guy's a jackass, like, maybe he deserves it, he's responsible for, you know, you think he's responsible for, like, destroying this woman so much that she killed herself, and he's a jackass to his current girlfriend, and he's kind of, like, just a douchey guy in general, so you're like, fuck this guy, and then, like, like, two-thirds of the way into the book, you're like, oh, wait, like, you kind of feel bad. He's a dumbass, but he's not responsible for her death. Um, And so she, yeah, they basically go, they go to this woman's house and they get like a huge fight with her and like people get shot and it's crazy. Um, And then, yeah, I I won't tell you how it ends because it's, it's kind of, like I said, it's kind of all, the book itself is kind of all over the place, but um, it's definitely interesting. It was a pretty big um, like twist like I, you know, with him being like a creep and stuff. Um, but yeah, so it the, won the so Bram Stoker Award for burst, excuse me, best first novel. Um, and Joe Hill is like now a pretty successful like horror novelist, author. I don't know if you can say novelist, novelist, whatever. Wait, so it, Joe, so in your opinion, Joe Hill dropped the ball on this, with his story. I don't know. I didn't like it. It's definitely good. Like for a first, for a first book, I think the story is good. Um, I feel like the, like the, it's a, doesn't require like a very high like reading comprehension level if that makes sense like so you it's definitely it's definitely like an adult book obviously like there's murder and there's like molestation and stuff but it feels like it's written for like middle schoolers like it, it, i don't know how to explain it it's not what i don't know like the way the 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 vocabulary is very simple and the sentences are very simple and it it doesn't have i know that's like a silly thing to say but like it doesn't have a really great flow like it's I don't know. Even though it's a, like a semi-long book, I mean, I don't know. It just didn't. <laughs> so is it like is the is is this or is the sentence structure like? So grandpa put banana in donut hole, and oh, no. little girl had to accept it, and she went wow wow wee wee woo. No, but he's like he's like talks about his like dad, like Judas like despises his dad, right? Um, and his dad's like on life support in a different state, and he doesn't he hasn't seen him in years, and he refuses to see him, but he continues to pay for like his life support because um, he doesn't want him to die. Um, but he the way he talks about it is like he'll like talk on the phone with a nurse, and the nurse is like nurse is like he really doesn't have any quality of life and he's like yeah and the nurse is like nurse is like you know the humane thing to do would be and he's like i don't want to talk about this anymore like i, I don't know it's just it's very like the the dialogue is very simple um yeah i didn't okay. there's like a whole after part that i didn't even read so like this all happens right and stuff goes on and then there's like an after story where like Jude and his girlfriend Georgia get married and they like go back and they meet the girl who like was this guy's granddaughter who like her mom was letting him molest her and they talk to her it's just like and like this is pointless like it ends on like you know climax like something happens and it's big and there's a fight and you know they they go to the hospital and all this stuff and then there's like an afterward where they're like oh we're married now and also like this little girl's our friend and i'm like this is so pointless it's so stupid sounds like like a weird epilogue yeah it definitely is but it's like it's not like called an epilogue or anything it's like the last chapter in the book so i'm like okay i didn't read it so i i don't know i read like the first couple pages and i was like this is dumb i wish they didn't include this i wish the book had just ended so i just didn't read it well no i feel um, i feel the same with carmilla because carmilla kind of ended with like everything happened but then the the last chapter they just had to wrap it up real quick and like the 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 next 
10, 10, 16 pages. And it's kind of yeah. like, okay, what the hell just happened from point A to point B? Yeah. No, I, and I, like, uh-huh. I don't know. I mean, Joe Hills, I, I haven't read, read of any of his other books, but he's written like, obviously like very well-known books. He wrote Horns, which is a well-known book and also like a well-known movie. Um, he wrote like Full Throttle and a couple other things um, that, you know, like he, he's important, not just because he's Stephen King's son, but because he's, he's a, because the, the family legacy will will pass will get passed on with Joe legacy. Hill. Legacy. He doesn't write like his dad, though. He doesn't write like Stephen King does. Oh, so you're saying he sucks? No, I'm not. A lot of people don't like the way that Stephen King writes. I'm just saying that he doesn't he doesn't have a similar um, style. There's not a lot of jumping back and forth between um, characters and time frames and stuff. You have one character that you follow, and the story is pretty linear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So can you? So the whole point of this was to recommend this book. So can you recommend this book to people? Where you're like, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm probably being too nitpicky. I think it was a good story, an interesting story. Um, haunted suit, you know, like that's 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 that's, that's fun. That's pretty fun. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it isn't a difficult read for sure. All right. And how much how much can you usually find this book for? Um, I also rented this one for free from the library. Let's see. If you can, I think you can buy it for probably less than ten bucks. You bought it on Amazon right now. Uh, a paperback would cost you about fifteen bucks, and a hardcover would cost you about the same. Um, but I'm sure oh, you can find expensive. it at a, at a bookstore for Jesus cheaper Christ. than that. And also, you should be buying it from bookstores, not from Amazon. I mean, if it's cheaper on Amazon, no, no, no harm, no foul, right? It has four point three out of five stars on Amazon. So, if that means anything to you, people. Amazon reviews are can use can be bought, dude. I, I just I just trust if word of mouth. They're like, yeah, this is a good book. So, if you told me this book wasn't that great, I'll be like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, I don't well, know. I it, it definitely not. It hard. It hard. It it is hard when the main character is somebody that you don't like. You know, like when you don't like the main character, it makes you not want to read the book. I mean, there are stories like that where like the the, the main protagonist isn't doesn't have any redeemable factors. But at the end of the story, like it all depends on like if the if the main character doesn't have any redeemable factors then the story itself has to be good enough to make that character seem important to the to the big picture. You know, like, yeah, uh, I don't know if you ever read. Have you ever seen the movie Filth? Mm hmm. It was James McVoy, who's a crooked cop, and the whole story, the story itself is very interesting. James McVoy is an asshole, is a, is a complete, like, like weird asshole, douchebag, like, crooked cop, basically. And, like, that was the only redeemable factor about him is that he just committed suicide in the end of the story. Yeah, you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, I wipe my I wipe my hands with this shit. But yeah, is there any any other stories you would like to talk about? Uh, no, I think that's it. That's, oh wow, okay, it is pretty late anyway. So let's get the hell off of this thing. Okay? It's bedtime. Alrighty. Well, if you liked our episode today, please follow us at Days and Disturbed Podcast at Instagram. I don't know if there's an at. Well, at Instagram. We on have Instagram. This, on Instagram. Thank you. Yeah. We have and and they say I read. <laughs> I'm more literate than you. Um, we are on Twitter. At Days and Disturbed podcast. Twitter. It's the same thing. Uh, we have a Discord. Same thing. And we have our email still. Same thing. And I still have to upload everything on YouTube eventually. I'm sorry it's taking forever to get these show episodes out. It is a little hard to record since I don't want to see anybody. Quarantine's hard, bro. 
because Nicole smells like shit. Yeah, I haven't showered in eight days. And she always visits everybody and she's never wearing her mask. No, that's not and true. That's not absolutely, neither of those are true. And I'm she's very going out to restaurants and shit. Fuck no, I'm not. And she's high fiving random people. Not like these fake hoes posting pictures, going out to brunch with their friends, going on day trips with a bunch of people. Fuck no, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, I live with my boyfriend, and he's the only person I hang out with. I, I swear. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Okay, then tell. He doesn't tell even it. hang out with me half the time. So. <laughs> he just he's just there. He just lives here. All right. Well, then that that I think that's it. Uh, let's wrap it up. Those are our book right. recommendations. Hopefully, you would like to pick one of them up. Maybe not the Joe Hill one because Nicole <laughs> said it did a shit job of explaining it. <laughs> and then I hopefully you do check check out either Carmilla, Invention of Morale, or the the Haunting of Hill House. Haunting of Hill Hillshire Farms. But fuck Joe Hill. No, don't say that. Bullshit. Don't say that. He's apparently a cuck. Who can't get <laughs> oh, it up? No. Who can't get it up? And <laughs> so fuck that guy. All right, I'm out of here. Bye. Bye. Silver Tongue Audio.